but interestingly, I, I suspect there's probably going to be quite a few people uh, listening to this online. I know there's a few, quite a few people who didn't want to be able to be here, but they couldn't, so... Very good. So this is really, it's been quite a long time since I've been able, to, since I spoke in where I, I was going back to uh, the topic. Obviously, I sp we were doing Ecclesiastes, but uh, so it's been, I don't know even how long it's been. I was going to check and I just didn't. Uh, but so I'm going to do just a very, very quick recap of uh, kind of what happened previously. And, uh, but today, I mean, so we are going to be dealing with the book of James, and the cool thing about it is this is really a practical guide to how to live a Christian life. So often, you know, we become a Christian, uh, if you're a new Christian or not, or even people who've been Christian a long time, it, it's so easy to kind of um, not realize that there, it, there's some practical things. And so, um, when I we first started this study, we really looked at the idea of being a bond servant and what that entailed. And uh, there were some really neat things that, that uh, we we looked at, such as you know we need, should be thankful that God actually cares enough to put us through trials to refine us, because that's how we, we can learn. And uh, at the time, so like I said, we broke up. I, I broke up. Uh, well you'll see in a minute here. I put that here so you guys can remember, because perhaps, you know I mean, you might remember the slides from before if you get to see some of the, the, the funnier pictures that we had. So the last time I, I did speak, the last thing I said was, uh, we were obviously talking about the uh, troubled tongue. We were talking, you know what I mean? And so what we said was, in public, we need to watch our tongue. And when we're home, we need to watch our temper. And when we're alone, we need to watch our thoughts. So I, like I said, I'm just trying to give us a very, very quick recap of what we had talked about. So uh, this is kind of, like I said, a, a breakdown. You can see chapter one, and today we're starting four, and I'm going so hard to try to do chapter five, too. I'd like to do, try to fit both in. And... Uh, but yeah, as you can see here in chapter one, like I said, we talked about uh, being a bondservant, our responses to trials and temptations. In chapter two, we talked about um, how there's, uh, we have to be swift to hear, and, uh, but not hearers only, but doers. And of course, we also talked about how when you're a Christian, we should always be seeing faith and works. You're not saved by works, but a healthy Christian, you should see works in their life. There should be evidence. And of course, in Slow to Speak, we looked at the troubled tongue and the keys on controlling it. And the, the key to controlling your tongue is really heavenly wisdom. Now today, obviously, we're going to be going into chapter four and hopefully five, and this is Slow to Wrath. And so we'll be looking at how there's two natures. And it's just, it's just amazing how God works. This morning, as you know, Warren had spoke on... Uh, the nature, uh, basically how there's a new creature. Well, I'm gonna be talking about the, that as well, but really from the idea that there, even though we are a new creature, that old man can sneak up. So we we're looking at that, and we're gonna be looking at uh, pride, and really that is the focus of, this ch of chapter four. 
And then, of course, in chapter 5, we were looking at, um, um, well, we, we'll see, I want to move on, but uh, we'll be basically looking at uh, where it's to look to his coming. So as you can see, this is 2 Corinthians 15, or sorry, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. That is exactly where we start this morning. And so that is where we're going to start today. And uh, verse 5, 17, it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And true, there is absolutely, we are a new creature and there, the Holy Spirit, when he does his work, it's just phenomenal to see that transformation. But what you don't want to kind of come under the impression of or is that um, Christian, when you become saved, that there's no more sin. And, that, you know, I mean, we may be, we may be for, forgiven, but there, we still sin, right? That's the difference. And, and Christians, as, as Warren said, we sin less, but it's not gone completely. And just to kind of give a kind of a quick reason why that is, I mean, is ultimately we have, when it came to Adam and Eve and Adam's uh, sinned, there was a fall. And when that fell happened, um, it became just like you, when you're born, you have features of your parents, you, you might look like them. Well, it's the same idea. We inherited, we, we, that is something that we now have. So we now inherit that and it's like, like we have features, and that is a feature, unfortunately. Now, interestingly, God ha- did have a plan. He didn't leave it where we were just in the fallen and cut off. And this is the amazing thing. So I want to talk about this for a, a, a moment, and that is, we'll look in Romans here, and that is Romans 6, 4 through 5. And it says, Therefore, we are buried with him and by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also the likeness of his resurrection. And then if we go to to Romans 5, 1 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and and rejoice in the hope of glory of God. I just want to say that, uh, you know, when it comes to God's salvation, he has been able to, when he died on the cross, he get, it was something that, he, he paid that price for us. And when he pay, we can come into that. And it's, it's so simple. I mean, God never made anything complicated. And so we, you can see in Romans 10, 9, how, and it's that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, the Lord Jesus shall, uh, sorry, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's just amazing. And so I just want to encourage that if anyone has not 
realized, I mean, that God has died for them and paid the price that you need to, you need to believe. And it's trusting him, is, and it's just like you trust, uh, you know, you know, when you, when you maybe sit in a chair, you just kind of flop in it, you're trusting that's going to hold you up. It's a very practical thing. This is not a, uh, anything mystical or anything like that. It's, it's just so practical. And we just, you just have to believe that what the Bible says is, is true. So let's get into uh, James chapter four. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lust that war in your members? Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have, and cannot obtain, ye fight wars. So what we're looking at here is basically, it is possible that when it comes to believers, that when you look at another person, you might say, well, it's like they have a great job, maybe they have a high position in the company, they earn money, they have a beautiful family. I mean, there's so many things. These are all wonderful things, and there's nothing wrong with that. But it is possible that if you felt that you didn't have that, that you might find yourself, that might stir in you feelings, and you might kind of be jealous and, 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 and kind of, you know, well, you know, well, if they don't have, if look what they have, and why don't I have that? And you, it might even come to the point where you start blaming God and saying, well, why should he get it and not me? I mean, there's all kinds of feelings that can come out of, out of something like that, but that's pride. And when it comes to pride, it's, this is, it seems to be an, uh, the same old trick that Satan seems to use. It was from the, that's literally, this, I call it, we said it's the sin of sins because that is the sin that got Satan kicked out of heaven. That, when Satan had fall, fell, he fell because of pride. Because he thought he was better than God. And it's also the same sin that when he went to Eve. He, he, he said, in fact, I can read this little thing. When it comes to pride, I'll just, I'll just read this. This is a, a, a quick little, I don't want to say an article, but it was a, something I, I found, and it says, it was the sin of pride which first led Eve to eat of the forbidden fruit. In Genesis we read, then the serpent said unto the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that if the, if the sorry, that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree desirable to make one wise, she took of the fruit and ate, and she also gave her husband with her, uh, with her, and he ate. And who do you think the serpent was? The old serpent was of old, who first introduced Eve to the sin of pride? It was none other than the devil himself, eager to share his com, uh, com, uh, commendation. You know what I'm trying to say, uh, 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 with others. Uh, the sin of pride is a preoccupation with self. It's the me, myself, and I. And it, you can see that <laughs> here, I is the center of pride. And so we need to be able to guard ourselves against this because it's, it, this is such a 
is so severe. It, it's toxic and poisonous, and it creeps in so subtly. So you need to always be on that lookout for it. But it's kind of neat because right in the middle of this, so we were just reading about the situation about how you could have like a pride amongst believers and how one might look at it and think that you know maybe there would be a jealousy that would be stirring. But God kind of says, hold, hold on here. It's kind of what I call the pause or um, by the way. And it says, ye, yet ye have not because ye ask not. I mean, it's just us thinking about that. If only, it, like as Christians, if only we would ask. If we had that faith and we asked for something, that it, he would provide. But here's the thing. That's not a guarantee if, you're, if what you're asking for is, is selfish or wrong. And he says it here, ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. In other words, you're not gonna get, even if you asked in this case, you're not gonna get it because your motives were sinful. So God is not a wishing well. He's not someone who's going to grant you something that is not right or wrong or, ha or has bad motives. Perhaps so, if you thought, you mean, you wanted to have, you, there was something you could have or a resource that would allow you to minister to other people or maybe it would give you something that you could then honor God with, then I think if you ask for something, he will provide it. But if you say, I would like to have this because he has it and I don't like the fact that I, he has and I don't, well, that's just there to satisfy your own lust, desires, and really sinful needs. So in James 4, 6 it says, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is an enmity of God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy, or an enemy, an enemy of God. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain that the spirit that dwelleth in us lusts to envy, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace, grace to the humble. I'm gonna read also a couple, two more uh, references here to help clarify. So this is First John uh, 2, 15 and 17, and it says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. In 15:19, we see it says here, "If ye were of the world, the world uh, would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but have but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you." So it's really important that when it comes to pride and being proud that we, we want to um, ref 
well, let's put it this way. I mean, the, the proud would refuse God's help and grace, where the humble would realize they, they need him. And in fact, and one little point here I'll, I'll mention before is uh, when, I, when I first started to read this, I, I was kind of just kind of skimming it over, and I, and I said, you mean, uh, do you think the scripture saith in vain the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? I thought, and it, without even thinking, my brain fills in the blanks, and it fills in, oh, that must be the Holy Spirit. And then I looked at it again, and then I realized, oh, no, 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 that's not the Holy Spirit. That is, that is the old spirit. That is the old man that was around, because, and that's just when he re- re- rears his ugly head. Um, let me see what else. There was something else I was going to say. That's probably this good right there, actually. So in James 4, 7, and 8, we, see, we have some instructions. It says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. So here, we have basically, we have two commands. One of them is to submit yourself to God. In other words, you're abandoning pride. You need to leave that behind. That's, that's something you need to get rid of. And it, and it takes work. And, uh, and of course, I would suggest that you want, that is a process. The more you become Christ-like and the more you have an attitude of becoming a servant, and that just, you, you don't even, they don't mix. Pride and being a servant, being humble. Those two things don't work, you mean. So it makes, it just all makes sense, really. And so, you submit yourself to God and abandon your pride, but then you also have to resist the temptations of Satan. And trust me, when he sees Christians, he, there's not a lot he can, he's lost that battle. But he certainly can affect your testimony. He can try to trip you up and make things go wrong and, and basically bring you to the point where perhaps you're not living for the Lord anymore and not being able to, you know, Take the opportunities that God would have for you. And the next verse here, verse nine, I have to say was pretty uh, um, interesting because when I first read it, it's, it almost, I, I think there's probably people who do this, but it, it almost sounded like, oh, you're not allowed to be happy. No, none of that. Not here we wouldn't, right? It says, be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter turn to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. But I can tell you, this is, this is interesting. This is not telling us not to be happy or joyful or, or, uh, or be mourning and frownful all the time. That's ridiculous. What this is saying is if, one is, is I'll say, is attitude. If you know that sin is in your life, like, or, you're, or you're, you could sin, or you're going to sin, or you are sinning, you, you should have the attitude of, I hate to sin, I don't want that sin. I don't, I should be, you shouldn't celebrate sin, you shouldn't be happy about sin, you should be, have, you should be mournful, you should, you, you should be, um, you should weep, and it's basically your laughter should be turning in the morning, because sin is not something you want to be, take lightly. And of course, the other side of it is, is this should be a response to sin. If you are in sin, 
you, you, we have the Holy Spirit in ourselves. We should not be, again, we shouldn't be celebrating. We shouldn't be taking sin lightly. So this is an attitude and it's a response to sin. It's nothing to do with about, you know, Christians not being happy. I just thought I should say that, you know, in case. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother speaketh evil and judge the law. Thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou judgest another? Oh, it's so important that we don't allow pride to enter our lives because when it comes to us as Christians, if when pride enters in, it's guaranteed that you're probably going to look at another and you're going to be judging. You're going to say, oh, you know, look, who does he think he is? You know, what, what, here he goes trotting all around and, you know, showing off whatever and, and I mean, you, or he says something or something and you, and you, the first thing you do is you just judge every moment of that person. I mean, that's just so wrong. Under no circumstances are we to judge because that is a sin ourselves. Not only because it's, it's, it's wrong in judging, but it's, that's pride sneaking in. So I just, be warned about that. So when it comes to tomorrow, we have no clue what's going on. We can't make any guarantees. This is, this is like, uh, it says loading, this is if you know anything about, if you ever hear about computers, you know, you just imagine, you know, I mean, uh, you open up an application and the screen's going to load, and then it just stops loading. You have no idea, is it going to load? You don't know, and there, that's tomorrow. Tomorrow is that which we have no idea about. We don't know if it's going to load or not. So, so when it comes to tomorrow, don't be, don't be so foolish. Go to now, ye that say the day to, uh, did, go now, ye that say today or, tom- or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain, whereas ye know th- not what shall be the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanish away. For that ye ought to say, this is the key, if, so that's if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. And as servants of God, that we, we, we don't, we need to keep him as our master. We need to be doing what he wants us to do, not what we want to do. You mean, uh, and so not only is it uh, the proper attitude as a servant, but it's also, like I said, we don't know tomorrow, and how can we guarantee anything? We don't have control over anything. So it's always if it was in the Lord's will. The last bit here is, um, but now ye rejoice in your boastings, all such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth not, to him it is sin. And we actually talked about this quite a bit in chapter, I believe it was chapter 
two, chapter two, I believe it was. And this is where we said not to be a doer, a hearer only, but to be a doer. If we see that there's a need, if there's, whether, it's, whether it could be someone on the street, whether it be with another brother or sister, if you see that there's something that you, should, you could do, then it is, and you know that's the right thing to do, it's a sin for you not to do it. So when I read this, I'll just say right or wrong, this gave me a very interesting image. It says, I said, good grief, this is like if it was written today. I mean, it's, it just sounds like this is literally, we're in the middle of this right now. And it says, I'm not gonna make many comments about this, but go to now ye rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and your silver is cankered and the rust of them shall be a witness against you and shall eat your flesh as if it were fire. Ye have heaped treasure together for the last days. Behold the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of, which is of you kept back by fraud, crieth. And the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabbath. By the way, Lord of Sabbath, nobody say the Lord of armies, the defender. This is not a weak God. This is, this is someone who is very powerful, very, very, I'll, I'll say, you know, defend, well, it says, it says the radio means just think about the defender. Ye have lived in pleasure on the earth and been wanton. Ye have n- nourished your hearts as in a day of slaughter. Have ye have condemned and killed the just, and he doth not resist you. That sounds like, like there, there are groups of people out there. I call them, here I said, uh, a group of Satan's cronies, if you want to put it in such a way. And every era has them. From, the, from I think, the time that this was written, probably up till today, there's always these people who seems to, uh, you know, win and claw their way to the top on the backs of others. But this really, I said, like I said, this really sounds like it's today. And of course, you know, we're talking about boasting tomorrow. And then, and we seem to be, every, as we kind of progress through this, it seems to be having a very future look to it. So as Christians, we have, uh, we're, we're running a marathon, we're not doing a sprint. And really, what is it that we're doing? Obviously, we, try, we want to do the Lord's work, and, but we need to always be keeping our eyes on him. We need to be looking for his return. And my goodness, I, can, I just feel as close. It's very close. We might not even be here next week for the Lord's Supper, it's quite possible. We'll be meeting up in heaven. Hopefully that's the case. Uh, but part of, the, part of running the marathon, is, like I said, is, is to make sure that we are not allowing pride to get in the way, not judging. Let's do some more reading here. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he receives the early and the latter rain. 
be also patient. Establish your hearts. And I take this as we're, as of course, we're, we're waiting for the Lord and, there's, and as the church, we're waiting. And when he comes, I think that's perhaps the church that's going to be raptured. I could be totally, uh, perhaps, uh, I mean, if anybody has any other ideas, I'm glad to hear it. But I was thinking here, when it comes to the, uh, the, the when it says the early, I'm thinking that's the church that's raptured. And of course, the latter could be the, the uh, tribulation saints. I'm not sure. But uh, I just know that, I mean, the, the, the message doesn't get lost. It's, I mean, we need to be patient, looking for him and waiting for his return. So it says, be, be ye also patient. Establish your hearts. For the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Take, my brethren, the prophet who hath spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure and have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen at, at the end of the seen the end of the Lord. That the Lord is very pitiful and very and of tender mercy. And of course, I uh, we can read Psalm in, in Psalm one hundred three eight. It says, "The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy." So when we, so when we say. Uh, the Lord is pitiful and tender mercy. We're, this is what we're talking. We're talking about gracious and merciful, slow to anger and plenteous of mercy. But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea and your nay be nay, lest ye fall into con condemnation. So we're almost, we're, we're actually running pretty good on time, actually. And it says here, so we're going, next we're going to talk about is prayer. And prayer is one of those things that are so amazing. It's powerful, it's real. It says, is, is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. And I think part of this is, you know, I mean, you have kind of a, a I don't want to say a negative, but you have, you know, where it says, is any among you afflicted, or let him pray, if there's any Mary, let him sing. I think this is telling us that we need to be praying all the time for all things. This is not limited just to the times when you want something. It's all the times we want to give thanks for everything we have. So we need to always continue. So in all situations, we want to be able to keep in prayer. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over you, pray over him, anointing him with oil in the, in the name of the Lord. And there, healing is a real thing. You know, you don't pray and expect him, oh, well, you know, hopefully he gets better. And, but I mean, real faith, it can happen. I mean, it's obviously it's in the Lord of the will, it's in the Lord's will. If, if the Lord has other plans, well, good luck. But, you know, when it comes, if the Lord is, if it, 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 he, things, I think he, things can even change, and you'll, you'll see that in a moment, that, I mean, we could be going down one path, and perhaps it, things could happen one way, but if, if you were to make a 360, things could change again, and you'll, you'll see what I mean in just a moment. Um... So when it comes, like I said, when it comes to verse 14, calling upon the others, I think, I think that's cool information. 
Because that's something you can do. That's, that's, I, I take that as something that actually is the responsibility of elders. Anyway, I mean, that's what it says to me. So yeah, one more task for them to do. You just add that on their to-do list. Uh, and the prayer of the faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray. And pray one for, pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. See, this is right here. When it comes to, when it comes to saints praying and a, a, a someone who's living a, a life that would be honoring to God, when they pray, it, things happen. Elias was a man subject to like passions. As we are, he prayed earnestly that it might not rain and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. Good grief. That is, that, that is a big prayer, but it was answered. Do you see that? And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth fruit. Well, let's just sum that up as a prayer works. So this last one was, is, is, I think it's a good lesson for all of us, to re, or just a good reminder. So it says, brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converts the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. So there's a few things that we need to, I'd like to mention here. So first thing we're talking about is sin. So we're not talking about just if somebody read the Bible and got the wrong message and is like, no, oh, I'm gonna convert you, we're gonna change. No, no, we're talking specifically about sin here. And it says, and it says here, uh, this verse, like, like verse 20 here, is perhaps there's different groups out there who might suggest that this could be, uh, maybe you lose your salvation. Perhaps they might suggest something. I, that's absolute rubbish. It's not true whatsoever. Uh, well, I'll tell you what I mean. But it's people who look at it might say a soul and death. Okay, that must mean that you're talking about uh, second death. Or, or, but let me, let's explain here. So uh, death is a physical death here. So sin is one of those things that has a practical consequence or just an everyday consequence that uh, um, consequences and ultimately sin leads to death. And there's many verses I'm sure we could go and look at where it tells us that sin uh, basically leads to death. I mean, if you just think about some of them, if it could be drugs, it could be overdose, you could, I mean, that could lead to death. It could be that you start, you might start small and start lying and then, and, and then going bigger and bigger and then you find yourself in the situations that are, that has, are serious consequences. So I think this, this is a physical death we're talking about. And when it says a soul, there, in, in, in certain days, I mean, let's just think of a captain of, a, of, a, of like a ship in, in, the, in the ocean. And perhaps, it was common, at least I believe it was common, and uh, they would say things like, well, maybe before they take off somewhere, they say to the captain, how many souls are on board? And the captain was, you know, or, or how many people on board? And the captain would say something like, let's say 25 souls. You know what I mean? So I, we're talking, I take this as we're talking about just a, it's just a person, right? And we're just referring to that person as, as a soul. 
And so uh, it, uh, this is not a spiritual death or, or so like so, because that would imply a lot of things. No, we're talking about a, a soul, like a person, and of course, f- a physical death. So I think this is saying that is our duty, if, uh, as Christians, if we see that there's someone who is in sin, or they're, or they're maybe uh, vulnerable or whatever, we need to be able to come alongside them. We need to be able to say, this is, and, and be a guide to them, um, not judging. Remember, we just, talk, we just talked about pride and judging a brother, and so we need to under, that, that is I purposely put, I think, before here, because it's saying, to be, you know, before you come to the idea of correcting a brother, uh, it, it, we, we need to get straight that you, need, you shouldn't be judging him. So, uh, remembering that we're to keep pride down and, uh, and not, um, and not judge, we should come alongside someone and help correct them, show them the way, the way that God would want them. And I mean, if, I'm sure there's many practical ways of doing that, but when that happens, you, they have, you could avoid a multitude of sin. So if they continue down the path, then there would be, I think, certain consequences. But if somebody could come and intervene somehow and show them a way or how to get out, it changes. And there's another way. And so they can avoid a multitude of sins and their life could be very, very different. So I think it's really important that we do take that seriously and, and understand it's, even if it stings for a moment, it's, it's proper that we come alongside. As long as I said, we have the right attitude. So stay the course and sin not. And again, this is where we start it. This is where we'll end. And it says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. And then we could read, like I said, for 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And we're done. So let's close in prayer. Gracious God and Father, it's such a privilege and honor to be able to be in thy presence and to look and look at your word and to have you reveal things to us. Oh Lord, when it comes to our attitudes and, and sin, I pray that we would all desire to be more like you, more like your son, and to become a servant, one willing to serve and take all the opportunities, Lord. I pray that we, no one would be deceived and fall for the tricks and of sin and that we would resist and flee the other way, Lord, when there's, there's so many temptations and I pray that we would be able to see them and recognize it and shut it down. Lord, I also pray that uh, if we know people around us that have not heard the gospel,